Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now This is Malcolm McDowell. You may remember me from such films as Star Trek Generations and such video games as Wing Commander 3, The Heart of the Tiger, and Wing Commander 4, The Price of Freedom. I thank you so much for listening to this podcast today, this wonderful podcast by these two gentlemen who are keeping the flame of British film alive. I suggest that you go find copies of Wing Commander 3, The Heart of the Tiger, and Wing Commander 4, The Price of Freedom, available on GOG.com. For now, I suggest you sit down, kick back, and turn on Gene Kelly, and then quickly turn it off so that you can listen to For Screen and Country. Thank you. Very uh, detailed instructions about how you must... Turn he's, off, turn on Gene Kelly, and then turn it off. Well, yeah, off again. I mean, he's uh, he's very he's a, he's a weird guy. He's a weird guy, Brendan. But we're all about weird guys here on uh, for Screen and Country. That's what our mission statement is: to find weird guys and talk about them on the internet. That's what it is, right? That's just the, that's just Jason's genes. Don't oh. worry about <laughs> goodness, the mic is so so sensitive. It's so sensitive, like a like a like an angel. It is like a delicate flower. But speaking of delicate flowers, oh. I'm Brendan. This is Jason. Hi, and uh, we're talking about we're, we're doing a podcast mm-hmm. called For Screen and Country. And what do we do on this podcast, Jason? Well, generally, we will take the time to watch a, a, a film of a British nature uh, mm. from the British Film Institute's Top 100 British Films of All British Time. Yes, and which basically we figured out is the 20th century. 20th century of British because that's time. the only time when British movies were made. Yes, uh, yes, there are no 19th century British films on this list. So there far as no I can tell, 21st century There's British no films. Man walking around a room. <laughs> My favorite <laughs> film from 1892. Uh, <laughs> really, I like. Oh look, it's a train. Yep. Oh look, it's a train is a classic. Uh, yeah, so we're watching these movies, we're talking about them, so that you hopefully can go and watch them and, and have your own opinions. I also like test number 001974. It's, uh, you know, it's it's a workman-like picture, for sure. <laughs> yes, so that is what we're doing, and today we are talking about our highest uh, film we've talked about so far. Yes. Number seven on the BFI Top 100, the film Kess. Yes. But before we get to that... We need to talk about last week's film, A Clockwork Orange. We're back for one more talk about this movie. Yes. Normally, Brendan, what would we do in this situation? Normally, we would read some comments from people about what they thought about the movie, any questions they might have. Normally, it's comments. Normally, that's what we do, but we decided this week we don't care because we love this movie. (laughs) Again, Jason has proved to be the Jason 
of this show I by don't, antagonizing. Don't compare me to that imposter. Don't even say his name. By antagonizing our listeners each and every week. It's not that I antagonize them specifically. I'm just saying that we, I mean me. What? You, don't you dare lump me into this. I mean, you're part of this lump, Brendan. You're part of this lump. So what are we doing, Jason? Uh, well, you told me minutes before the podcast began <laughs> that we're going to that's recast my, that's this That's my movie? style. That's my style. Well, I just, like, I'm, th- okay, disclaimer. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I want a modern remake of A Clockwork Orange. Let's not get it, let's not get that anything uh, out of whack here. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, if it did happen, yeah, I just want to talk about who may, uh, who may end up playing these roles. And I, that's what I asked to the people. Okay. And got some answers from but, them. But, but. Oh, oh! You asked people, so I did you, ask. Well, you're people. not going to ask me. Well, I am going to ask you. Okay, but I, first I want to get the answer. Now, some of the answers from the people. Now I need to know too. Did you ask them who they might like to direct such a thing? I did not. Okay. Well, so if you, you want to throw, throw that in, you should ask me who I well. think should direct this okay. movie. I will ask you once we uh, get to that. Okay. You need to calm down. No, no. I'm. But I'm, been, I'm on this now. You, you just you drop this on me and you throw me into fire mode and I'm getting ready. You're on the juice. I'm on I, the juice. I can tell you're on the juice. The juice is loose. Yeah. You drove your white Ford Bronco over here, I weirdly did. enough. I'm here. Uh, but anyway, let's. You know, 1995 references out of the way. All right. <laughs> let's get to this. So, our first comment is from Chip Joyce, and he says in a lead role of Alex, I'd cast either Will Poulter or Bill Sarsgaard. So, Bill Sarsgaard, obviously, yeah, from he's the clown. it. Uh, but Will Poulter, you may know from um, We're the Millers. The kind of awkward kid in that movie, the one whose dick gets stung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like that guy. He was in. Uh, he was in one of the Chronicles of Narnia, movies. and he was in uh, Revenant really good. as what? well. Okay, so in that Chronicles of Narnia movie, by the way, he was fucking right. They played him as an asshole in that movie, but he was fucking right. Sorry, just I, he was right, guys. <laughs> Any Chronicles of Narnia fans out there? Uh, Connor Yates says, "I posit that Elijah Wood could make a fire emoji." Uh, monocle emoji. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm guessing you make a good Elijah Wood. I think Elijah Wood would be great. Uh, I think Elijah's a little too old. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and he's good. And, and in 1997, I would have agreed with you that he should have done uh, that role. I think like two, like early 2000s, he would have been fine because I mean that was right, right around the time it was like 2005. No, he was too, he was too Frodo. He was too Frodo to pull but it 2005 off. 2005 was right after Lord of the Rings. And he 2005 was, was a bad year. 2005 was the year that Crash was the best picture. Fuck that shit. 2006, actually. Oh, well, it was in 2005 that movie came out, I bet. Well, hot take. I actually like Crash a lot. Oh, well, great for you. I'm glad you liked it. I, it's one of those movies. It's like The Killing Fields. You should see it. But that doesn't mean you're going to enjoy it. So anyway, yes. I'm just saying, Elijah Wood has the creep factor from he does. Sin City. Have he you does. Ever Sin City? Again, I think, I think, I think he's just too old, Brendan. I think so, you're, you're too old. So do you, do you want my opinion? Do you no. have an opinion? Do you want to read John Tripp's comment? Okay. Well, John Tripp says, where is he? I'd love be totally creeped out by a remake that cast age-appropriate. Imagine seeing the cast of Stranger Things as Drew's unsettling. I literally had that thought. I thought, man, my man Finn Wolfhard would be a great fucking Alex. Yeah. Might have to wait like too. a couple of years. Gaten Gaten Matatazzo, or whatever his name is, if he puts on about 60 pounds, he could really play dim to its fullest, you know? Uh, Judas Priest's brother, Jonas, what does he have, what does he have to say? <laughs> Jonas Priest says, Dane DeHaan, that dude was a born droog. Who the fuck is Dane DeHaan? Let's find out. He was Harry Osborn in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, a movie I did not see. And he was also in Valerian and Cure for Wellness. Oh, I know who that is. I saw that movie. Those are all movies that seem real interesting, and I have not seen any of them. And Chronicle. 
Oh. I think he would be good. I think he has the look anyway. Yeah, he's he's yeah he's yeah okay. Seems he's, like he's a got rather that skinny pale English look to him. Yeah, slightly unnerving but not intimidating. Mm. Mm, yes. <laughs> so yeah, Dane DeHaan, cool. That's a good pick. Okay, I'm gonna. I apologize. I'm gonna try my best. From Ahimsa Kerp. That's pretty good. That's right? a good name. Um, I know he's too old, but I'd still love to see Benicio del Toro as Alex, an older but not necessarily wiser version. That is. What do you think about that? Again, I just think he's just too old. Well, no, that was the comment. Yeah, I know, I know, but but I don't think <laughs> I don't older, think the movie works if it's an old person. But but if they did cast an older person, do you think he would be a good fit for that? Because Benicio might... del Toro is a fine actor, and I bet you there's a role in here. He could probably play the. Uh, he could be the the fucking the the truancy officer that comes up and is real creepy with him. I still think this should be John Cleese. Let's stand by that. Oh no, sorry, not that guy. I mean the the Burns. Oh well, yeah. The very, very the, 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 the police officer. Yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, you get there. John Cleese would. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Lucia Juliao says Michael Shannon. I feel like he looks the part. He's still too old. Why do you people want these old people playing these fucking kids? Like it was already that Alex was eighteen. I'll keep it at eighteen. Like Timothy Chalamet. Who's going to play Paul Trades in the new Dune movie? I don't uh, know much about the guy, but I bet you he'd be a good Alex. Samuel Bea says. Ew, I don't like imagining a remake. For one thing, Malcolm McDowell's Alex is irreplaceable. That's I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing that. Thank I just you. like. I just think it's fun to get an idea of. What about um, a young David Warner? Do you think a young David Warner could do? Uh... I've got one more, and then okay. you can unleash it. Okay. <laughs> the last comment is from Sharon Horwat, and she says, "I I don't really have a good choice for a movie actor, but a few years ago they did a Clockwork Orange off Broadway, and I would love to see the recording of the show. I'd be very curious yeah. to see what that's like. I hope there's musical numbers. Oh God." <laughs> Well, I'm you know, it in your head in the rain. Oh, I'm saying it in the rain. Okay, I don't want to no, pay could, $100. But they wouldn't be able to afford that. Yeah. Well, that's why I cut myself off. There you we, go. we can't afford this. We checks. can't afford it. We only get 700 listeners an episode. So. Yeah, I mean, it's. it's All right, Jason. Those... Jason, unleash it. I know you don't want a remake, but just tell me who you want. <laughs> So in, in in the serious, in my if I really had to remake this movie, yeah, I'd probably pick uh, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. He would probably make a good Alex. He's got a gawky look to him. He's not British, but if we could work with him and give him a real thick British accent, I think we could make it work. Well, and you could definitely never have had American actors doing British yeah, accents no, in no. movies. Yeah, no, no. But you see, that's the thing. I, and if, if he does it, he's got to do it right, because I don't want British people to listen to him. Hello, like, hello, hello. Like, you've, you've watched British shows, right? And you hear British people doing an American accent, and it sounds just off enough that you're just like, that's not right. Where it's just like, hey, I'm from America. I'm a, I grew up in Montana. <laughs> Tea and crumpets. Yeah. Would you like some tea and crumpets for tea? But, uh, I mean, beyond uh, uh, Finn Wolfhard, I mean, the rest of the movie's perfectly cast, so we'll just resurrect them with CG. And uh, <laughs> So, like, Laurence Olivier and Skycap. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's a hologram except Finn Wolfhard. Even if some of those actors are still alive, we're just going to resurrect them via CG. Absolutely. Well, yeah, David Prowse is a hologram. He's an old man. He can't carry uh, another old man around. A oh, really God. old man. Can you imagine if they tried to do that again? That's the thing. We'll, we'll cast all old people, but everybody has to be the exact amount of years older than the character was in the book. Okay, but I want to know: Is there any other actor? This is—I I want a serious one for this one. Okay, I'll is try. There, is there any other actor besides? Like I know I mentioned John Cleese, but I really want to know who you think could play Barnes. The uh, no nonsense, but kind of Simon Pegg. Really, you think yeah. you could pull off that right. like serious tone? Uh, oh, and the, the serious tone that borders on ridiculous because he's so borders over the top. on ridiculous. But I still think he has to be very straight laced. I mean, this this movie was what 1970? 70... 
two. So this was kind of contemporary so with Monty Python's Flying Circus. So John Cleese was doing this sort of character already when this movie. Oh was yeah, and, made, I, and so. I mean, not even. I mean, they could have. Graham Chapman could have easily played it too. Yes, I just picture John Cleese in my head. Well, John Cleese well, I mean, uh, again. Graham Chapman's dead, uh, but holograms. I mean, at the hologram time. Chapman. I mean, that's not an official pick, but just like at the time, Graham Chapman could have pulled it off. I would say for the lead, honestly, um, as much as I don't think. He's a great actor, but that kid that was in, um, uh, I don't remember his name. Peyton Christensen. No. (laughs) Yes, that would be amazing. (laughs) The kid that was in that, like, Mrs. Blah Blah's House of Misleading Miscreants. I don't know what it's called. It was the Tim Burton movie with uh, uh, Helena Bonham Carter, and she has, like, a house of, like... So you're saying uh, the kid that was probably, I've never seen the movie, I don't know anything about it. The kid was probably, like, a little goth boy. No, it wasn't a goth boy. He just like has the kind of in it, sort of vaguely innocent. Mm. What about Aza Butterfield? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you, why did you say the kid from Aza, uh, from Ender's Game? And then I wouldn't know. I don't know what the fuck Ender's Game is. Oh, Ender's Game is a is an amazing sci-fi novel written by an asshole. But, but I'm just saying, like, uh, yeah. So Aza Butterfield, like, I'm not a huge fan of him, honestly. Like, I, the only movies I've seen him in, I kind of thought he was kind of awkward and. I respect Aza Butterfield because he's a fucking, uh, I think he plays Dota or LOL or one of those fucking games, and, and anybody that can put time into those and understand them and commit to them and take the abuse that comes with playing them gets a salute from me, because I can't. So do your salute. Thank you. You heard that, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, this is the longest thing ever. <laughs> so, but now, Jason, we, we do a little thing here at the end of this uh, little segment. Oh, yeah. And we compare... Clockwork Orange, which is number 81 mm-hmm. on the BFI. Yes. We are going to compare it and see which one we prefer on the AFI at number 81. It'd be funny if it was a Clockwork Orange. It, I can confirm that it is not. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> that would That'd be, be a fun conversation. That would be a tough, uh, tough decision. But let's see. So number 81 on the AFI top 100 is Battlefield Spartacus. Earth. Spartacus. Oh, yeah. another Stanley Kubrick. I've joint. actually never seen Spartacus. That is interesting, isn't it? That is interesting. Yeah. Um, two Stanley Kubrick movies. Uh, is Spartacus... Now, is Spartacus... Would you guess it was a Kubrick movie from watching it, or is it just very much like an action it's, epic? It's, uh, you know... I'd have to go back... It's been a few years since I've watched it, for sure. You don't uh, watch it every day? I should, because I have the Criterion somewhere. Okay. But, uh, no, it's, it is it is a very much like an epic of that period. Like a Ben-Hur type deal? Um... I think when I watched it, I wasn't quite as familiar with Kubrick as I am now, so I don't know if it features much of his particular, like, specifics. But I will say this, that movie was controversial in its day, because there's a scene where, oh, who is it? It might be Lawrence Olivier, or somebody Douglas. somebody of that stature. No, no, but there's another there's another famous English actor in the movie, I don't even remember who it is, I'd have to look it up. But uh, Peter he, Ustinov. Maybe. Uh, but he plays like a fat dude. And he's like sitting in a. It is Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, okay, so he's, he's in sitting a... in a hot tub, and there's like this uh, real strapping young manservant there, and he's like, "Do you like oysters, my son?" And he's like, "Oh yes, sir, I do like oysters." He's like, "Yeah, some people like oysters and some don't, and that's absolutely fine." And it was like the gayest uh, metaphor that you could expect in cinema in those days. That you could even try to get away with, and even that, it was too much. Yeah, and they ended up cutting it from that movie oh. for a lot of years, and it was only restored, you know, years later when they. When people kind of got their heads out of their asses, but no, it's a really good movie, and, and I really like Spartacus. But at the end of the day, if I had to choose one to watch, Clockwork Orange every time it's just so good. Spartacus is a great movie, but but I don't want to watch it multiple times necessarily. I don't need to watch it over and over. But Clockwork Orange, I don't think I ever get tired of. 
And I've never seen Spartacus, so I'm going to go with Clockwork Orange. All right. <laughs> also, by the way, written by a blacklisted Hollywood writer. I Very nice. Yes, that's a whole other thing that yeah. was on the DVD. I remember that. It was Coming soon. Good. No, it's on the list. Coming soon, Jason summarizes Criterion DVDs.com. Woo! So, with that all being said, let's get to this week, Jason. Let's right. talk about 1969's Kess. Kess. things first um i thought at first it was gonna be difficult to find a theme because this movie is fairly quiet yeah there's there's some music in there but it's nothing that really stands out but that that little pan flute kind of sounding intro that's pretty that's pretty cool yeah uh this is not a clockwork orange where there's like synth music all over this thing so jason pray tell what the fuck is this movie about okay uh and as i mentioned last week this is not a biopic or a biopic however you say it about the character of kess from star trek voyager as played by jennifer leanne no this is a movie about a kestrel well at least an, or- an orchestral uh no a bird oh, okay. kestrel. a kestrel uh, a well kestrel. and actually to be fair the kestrel's really not in it all that much uh even That's, though the movie's named about him but this is true it's something it's of a rule. metaphor but it's we'll the, get there. The rule of Jaws. You don't show the That's shark right. <laughs> that much. Just the threat of him is enough. That's right. Because it's just like Jaws, but with a falcon. Please so, continue. So rather than with Kess the Castro, we start with Billy Casper. Young Billy Casper, which is a great name. He is 15. Uh, he is 15 years old and looks like he's 10. He's yep. a very small boy. Uh, Yorkshire uh, dialogue. Yorkshire dialect makes people age gracefully it's it's also all the coal dust i think it, yeah uh, it has an, an effect on birth rates and and anyways so he leads a pretty rough life in 1960s yuxia yuxia now as we start we should probably point out as, as brendan kind of mentioned there this movie is full of very very thick yorkshire dialect yeah um and unfortunately the copy of this i was watching only had spanish subtitles that were hard-coded into it so i picked up a little bit from that and i got a good 65 70 percent i think of the movie so uh so what you're saying is uh, well that, that sounded a little more african yeah i got me, nothing but, uh, it's more talking like this except really thick oh no i was trying i was trying to speak spanish oh <laughs> You, you, you very poor fake Spanish. I, I quit. Get out of here. <laughs> so yeah, he's uh, he's a kid. He's fifteen. He's growing up in uh, very working class Yorkshire. A um, little bit of historical context here. This is in the nineteen sixties. This is an era where. So uh, if you remember, we watched the Full Monty, um, and that was set in kind of not. I don't know if it was in Yorkshire. It was it was kind of in the similar type it, of town though. Yeah, it was. I think it was like Sheffield or yeah, something. Yeah, Sheffield. But it was the same, but like, it was similar kind of. It was a, well, it wasn't the same Thatcher. It was more, more northern kind of place, like coal mining towns, but where the Full Monty was set after the mines had closed and everything was kind of in decline. Uh, there, steel. Th- this This is in kind of the air where the mines are still going, but, yeah. but it's starting to get bad. Like, it's starting to, the mines are starting to slow down. More people are using oil and gas. The town, people still have jobs, but 
the, specifically the coal miners in Yorkshire are among were at this time were among some of the lowest paid in the country. So it's a rough place to live. It's very dirty. Um, but people make their way. They do what they have to do. And, and Billy is no exception, despite the fact that he's got a father who's absent. I don't know if, if they say he's in jail or if he's just fucked off. Yeah, they I, don't. I don't think they ever. I assumed he died, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, he's he's not around. And, it's okay. Uh, they've got Reg. The, so his mother is working all the time, and his yeah. older shithead brother Jude is also working in the in the mines. And Billy's doing his own part. He's working a job before school, delivering papers uh, and contributing, like you did back in those days. He's yeah. kind of in a position that's firmly, you know, against him. Uh, it's, it's 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 a tough. It's a tough road to hoe for Billy. And even his mother, uh, at one point, uh, his mother goes to the pub and uh, we hear her talking about her kids, Jude and Billy, and that she basically says that they're, it's a hopeless case for them because they're in a situation that's just, what are they going to do? What can they do beyond going to work in the mine? You know, yeah. it's just hard to get out of this place. So Billy, you know, he's, he's doing as best he can, but he's also a bit of a rapscallion because everybody in this movie's kind of shitty. Uh, and even Billy's a bit shitty. He's a, he's a bit of a thief. Uh, we see him early on stealing some milk off the milk truck, uh, and then having a, a cheery conversation with the milkman shortly thereafter. Yeah, we see him, do, and then later he, we see him steal a book from a uh, from a bookstore when he can't get a library card. He steals from the sh- uh, the shop where he works too. Yeah, he steals from the shop where right, he works. And just as he's having a conversation about other guy, he's like, "I'm I'm definitely not going to attempt the Yorkshire <laughs> accent," but he's saying something like to uh, Billy, like. Oh, you know, uh, they warn me about people like you from your area. They they always steal stuff. And he's like, well, I don't do that anymore. Literally, as he's taking things <laughs> yeah, off the shelf and putting them into his bag. Yeah. He's doing his own thing. He's stealing his own stuff. He's not great in school. He has a hard time paying attention. Um, because the school is awful. The school's pretty shitty. The teachers are, are <sighs> very bad uh, in the classic British sense of them being mean. Like Most of the adults in this movie are terrible. Mean, are mean. <laughs> and most of the kids are pretty terrible, too. So. Yeah. This whole movie, it's funny, and I mean, maybe this is what Kess means to it, but we'll get there, but it's just, this whole movie is so dark, and there's so very little light in it. Um, it's it's very, um, there's no sheen on it. No. It's very like, this is what it is. This was a low-budget movie shot in the 60s, and it looks it, but there's 200, some... $200,000, $200,000 cost yeah. to make this movie, which... Yeah. You know, and there's some really beautiful shots in it. Like the version I saw of it wasn't a great quality. I'm sure it's not a great quality looking movie just from when it was shot and the stock it was shot on. But man, there's some nice scenes of like the Yorkshire countryside. I love the one where Billy's sitting there. Uh, I guess we could talk about this later too. But Billy's sitting there and he's like, I think he's reading that book he stole, and you see like the kind of beautiful like green grass, but in the middle of it is punctured by this factory or mine just belching out smoke. Like, looks really cool. But so anyways, in all this grime and darkness, Brendan, there ends up being a little bit of light. Things start to change when Billy finds a kestrel. He's out on a farm, he sees these birds flying up there, and he goes and talks to the farmer, and he wants to get the bird. The farmer's kind of shitty to him at first. He's like, you get out of here, you you don't come around. And then he eventually just kind of gives into him and lets him uh, see the bird. And Billy eventually climbs up and gets it and takes this kestrel home with him. Kind of rips it out of its nest. Kind of rips it out of its nest, yeah. <laughs> But he, Again, everyone's kind of shitty. Everyone's kind of shitty. There's a lot of shittiness in this movie. But B- 
Billy starts to to train this kestrel. He starts to uh, he hooks a rope to it, and then he can like let it fly around without it flying away on him. And he's training it to fly to him. He has like a like a glove he wears, like a falconer you might expect, because kestrels are a type of falcon. He he pulls an Ozzy Osbourne with a little mouse. Yes, he eats a. He bites uh, off a piece of like a sparrow or something with yeah. like with his teeth. Yeah, well, he just wants to be. He wants to feel like he's part of the part of the game, right? Which okay, can I ask you a question before we go further? Uh, ask away, because I need to verify sure. something. A kestrel, I looked this up, as a falcon. It's a type of falcon, yeah. It's in the falcon genus. They keep saying hawk. Is that... I think think a hawk is also a type of falcon. Because I looked up up kestrel along with the word hawk, and I didn't find it. Anything. So I, I thought, I think like, maybe I think a, a kestrel is a bird of prey, much like a hawk is. Like they, okay. like, that's why he eats meat, or he has to. Feed I thought meat. maybe that was a that was a thing by the director to be like, just an extra uneducated thing that they well, would it, say. It it's a could hawk. very well people just call it a hawk because it looks like a hawk at a distance. I mean, maybe if you don't see it up close and yeah. see the speckle, like the plumage and whatever. But I'm, I'm no bird watcher, so <laughs> well, not those kinds of birds. No. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. We watch your British movies and talking about birds. <laughs> You're staring at the birds, are you loving Oh, I love it at birds. Oh, I love them. We just blew out the fucking speakers oh, yeah. on that. That might not make it the final All part. right. <laughs> so he's training this bird. He's starting to get some joy in life, you know. Uh, Kess brings joy and peace to him, I think. Like, he starts to just feel a little bit better about himself. He seems to be uh, doing a little bit better in school. He gets praised at school because he manages to just kind of stand up and give an impromptu speech when asked about Kess. Yeah, and he and he's so excited about it, and he talks about how he trains him and everything, and like he's kind of hesitant at first, but as the kids start asking questions, he gets real into it. And that's the only teacher I would say too that is actually a genuinely decent person. Yeah, no, in this the, whole the, movie, he, he's still kind of shitty uh, at first, but he does provide encouragement. He's to kind of disciplined, Billy. He's but the, he's disciplinarian for the sake of nothing. There is a teacher that is far worse. than Yeah, that. we're gonna get there. <laughs> okay. Um, well, actually, we can talk about that now because I'm gonna head into the end here because this is. <laughs> There's not much plot to this movie. Well, we should say right now, Mm -hmm. this is a character-driven film. Absolutely. Not a a plot-driven film. This is a character-driven film. This is a film that I think is giving us a real taste of what it was like to to live in Yorkshire, to grow up in Yorkshire at that time. Yeah. Um, You were watching basically his life unfold you're not watching a movie where like oh he has to get this he gets a kestrel and then oh he's got this science exam he's got to study for it. and if he doesn't get it he's gonna end up being in the mines like it's not that and kind the of kestrel movie. teaches him teaches him science and <laughs> i wish yeah I really, that might be on my other podcast <laughs> that'll be another movie that, that'll, we'll make that we'll make that movie <laughs> Um, but yeah, no. So it's so we see him going through his life, uh, and, and we'll talk about it. Uh, you want to talk about it now? We can get to the soccer coach. <laughs> I mean, if we're just gonna, you know what? Let's just go through the rest of the plot. All right. I mean, well, the, at this point, though, really, the, basically, the rest of the plot is the end of the movie, where things come to a head. So he has a brother named Jude, and Jude's just kind of shitty throughout most of the movie. Jude is a shitty older brother, and not in the older brother like giving the younger kid like crap. Oh, he's like, straight fun up way. No, he's straight up abusive yeah. piece of shit, and. At some point in the movie, he leaves a package for uh, for Jude that has a bet in it and some money. And he's supposed to take it that down to the bookies and uh, p- put that bet down for him. Because I guess back in the 60s, you didn't have to be a particular age to place a bet. You well, just he had to have a note from your parent or, or guardian or brother or something. He even said he voted for his mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he votes for his mom because she doesn't like to vote. Yeah. So... Uh, so he goes down to the betting house and he starts asking around whether it was a good bet or not. And he gets one guy to say, meh, I don't know. So he's like, ah, fuck it, I'll keep the money. And so he keeps the money and he goes and he buys a nice big plate of fish and chips and enjoys that very much. And then he goes to use the rest of the money to buy scraps from the butcher uh, so that he can feed Kess. 
And the butcher's just like, ah, just take him. So he's got a little bit extra money in his hand. So anyways, the bet that he was supposed to make comes in. And Jude, uh, Jude finds out that he didn't win the money because Billy had never placed the bet. So Jude heads down to the school and is comes in, comes into Billy's classroom and can see him out through the window and is basically making hands at him and threatening him and whatever. And so Billy sneaks out of school and manages to avoid Jude and gets home. And when he gets home, he goes to check on Cass and Cass is gone. Cass isn't in the, the shed in the backyard where he keeps her. So he goes out, he's looking, he takes his, his, uh, his glove and his uh, little thing of meat that he spins around and uh, is looking for her and is having no luck finding her. And, and I just want to... So... I want to say though, since we're at this part, yeah, he's having a freak out, obviously, because yeah. he's like, "Where the hell is the bird? Where the hell is the bird?" And go ahead, because I want to lead into this. Clip you want me to, that... to where, where, where this goes? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So he gets back home, and his brother's there, and his brother gives him shit about, uh, and basically starts to like kind of beat up on him about not placing the bet and the fact that he was out ten pounds. And Billy keeps asking, "Where's Cass? Where's Cass?" And finally, uh, Jude admits he's like, "I killed, I killed your bird," and then he just heartbroken just collapses on the couch in a pile of tears the point it's one of the most heartbreaking moments of the movie well and do you want to hear it appears to be quite realistic right oh yeah the, the dialogue in this movie is so fucking naturalistic well and here's realistic here's the uh, here's the upsetting thing yeah so i i mean we usually get into the background later but i just want to give this a bit of context yeah. so billy uh the actor is david bradley thank, thank you yeah uh, David Bradley actually, when they were filming, the, so before they filmed, he actually got to train three kestrels. Uh, they, they were going to use three throughout the process. One could, you know, each one could do a different thing, and they lied to him and told him that in the scene where he has the dead kestrel, they said they were going to have to kill one of the kestrels to make that scene, to film that scene mm -hmm. that he trained. Yeah. So he is like. In this in this clip I'm about to play, this is his real like guttural feeling. But what happened was they actually had a kestrel that died of natural causes, mm -hmm. but they told him it was one that he trained that they killed. So he's got some real pain so here. The cruelty to children again results in a great performance. Yeah, 1969. Yep. <laughs> so here's a little clip. Just a, again, Yorkshire accents. They're very difficult to understand, but hopefully you can uh, hear the anguish. Have fun. Well, what's he upset for? Because he's killed me off, he's dead, that's why. He never has. Yes, I know he is. Because he's gonna catch me. John, you have not killed his kids off. So I have. What are you gonna do about it? Bloody killing yourself, that's what you want. It was your own fault. We're only gonna let it go. Get latching up with claws, then to kill it. What else could I do? And a big bastard, a big old bastard. Don't call me a bastard. Stop chucking me. Now, but next to get it. Intense. <laughs> yeah, very. And like I said, like, uh, like it, it adds another layer to it when you're like, oh man, he's actually destroyed right now. Yeah. So Billy, which is questionable, so, questionable tactics. Yeah. So Billy had gone out to the garbage can. He had found Cass's body. Had taken it in and showed it to his mother. She wasn't particularly excited about seeing Cass, but she was somewhat sympathetic to him. And then the last scene of the movie is him going out, and he takes an axe with him for some reason. I mean, I don't know if you ever heard of a shovel, but he takes an axe with him and starts cutting out a hole in the ground to bury Kess. And that's the last scene of the movie. That's the fucking ending. Yeah. 
<laughs> so <laughs> it's depressing. It makes the movie. It's a very depressing end to this that, movie, which is quite depressing overall. That is but. the quickest way we've ever gotten through the plot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that this movie, the, the plot <laughs> itself, is less important because we we skipped over the 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 soccer teacher stuff, but we'll talk about that. Oh here, yeah, here well, football and football, jolly old yeah. England. So let's get into the background of the movie. Um, at first, Disney. This is a book. Uh, a Kestrel for a Knave is the name of the book. And Disney actually wanted the rights to it first. I guess it does seem like it'd be up there, uh, right in their wheelhouse to adapt to their style. The problem is with Disney adapting it, though, is uh, the author, Barry Hines, turned it down. It was a huge deal. Mm. It's a huge lucrative deal. He turned it down because they said, we're not going to kill the bird at the end of the, at the, end of the film. Ah. And he thought that's such a major emotional point for this, move, for this book that he said, he, he said no. Uh, so, I mean, Jason talked about this, this. The film and the book kind of provide a portrait of life in like the mining areas of Yorkshire. Uh, reportedly, uh, also the miners in that area were the lowest paid workers yep. in that whole country. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the the film was being produced during a period where the British coal mining industry was being run down in real life. And shortly before the film came out, the Yorkshire coal field actually was brought to a standstill for two weeks hmm. follow, uh, with with a um, a strike. Yeah. So this is all happening as they're filming it. This is not like a historical piece. This yeah. is. Contemporary. Contemporary. And now we said that this movie has a lot of local dialects mm -hmm. from Yorkshire. The cast of this movie all have authentic Yorkshire accents, or they used and they knew the dialect. Mm -hmm. I think in most cases, that's their real accent. I think maybe Brian Glover might not have that accent. And Brian Glover is the uh, PE coach. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, because he's been in other things. Okay. Um, so at this point, uh, I do want to play a little clip here. It kind of goes with this because Ken Loach, the director, who we'll see again come up in a movie made 30 years after this. Oh, wow. Uh, My Name is Joe, 1998. Huh. It's not about the Joe Canadian commercial. <laughs> Damn it. It's not a, bio, it's not a biopic. Um, <laughs> I love that pronunciation. I'm going to do oh, that. Me too. Now. I like it. I've always enjoyed that. So this is, a, uh, this is just a clip of Ken Loach talking about when they screened the movie for Americans. Um, when, when the film was finished, um, the... The people who had paid for it, United Artists, didn't know what to do with it. Uh, they had a screening for some um, American executives, and uh, they said, uh, when confronted by the film, they said they understood Hungarian better than, than our film, which was shot in the north of England in a particular dialect, and um, an old English dialect, um, which was true to the, to the characters. That's the language the characters spoke. But, of course... Um, people in the cinema who weren't from that region didn't understand it very well. So they didn't know what to do with it. So um, they decided to show it in uh, the, a town near where the film was made, in Doncaster. And it's the only film to have its premiere in Doncaster, which is a mining town, small mining town. And uh, we had the screening, and uh, the local MP was there, I remember. And we, we were kind of firebrands of the left in those days and uh, confronted the MP and he, or met the MP and he was, uh, he was quite right-wing. So we, we somehow we seemed to get into a political argument with this guy for no reason. It was just uh, typical of the time, I suppose. <laughs> 
so I mean, yeah, they they had a real hard time with the dialects in America, and like he said, the only the only only premiere in Doncaster, yeah. <laughs> some little uh, Yorkshire town. Um. Oh, so here's an interesting thing. So there is a, a point in this movie where a Billy actually tries to take out a book in the library, mm-hmm. which he's definitely never been there before. Yeah, no, <laughs> because he's told it's a it's a public library. And he's like. Where's that? <laughs> but he goes to take out a book on falconry because yeah. he wants to teach the, uh, or he wants to, to train the Kestrel. Now, of course, in the in the movie, we see the librarian kind of joke with him, like, oh, you need an ID. Uh, and he says, oh, you get your hands, your hands are dirty. They'll get all over the books. And he's like, can't be having dirty books. And he's like, I don't read dirty books. Like, I hope <laughs> you don't read dirty books. You're just a child. <laughs> but that scene actually had a totally, original had a totally different setup. Because what happened is when they filmed that scene, they didn't have they didn't really have permits, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of walked in and started filming. They had hidden camera, kind <laughs> of. So what happened was, as Billy is talking to this librarian, kind of giving her the guff, there was a real lady in the background, an older lady, mm. and she basically just said, "Show her some respect." Like just <laughs> yelled at Billy to start showing this librarian some respect. So Billy, kudos to the actor David Bradley, stays yeah. in character, says, "Bugger off." Um, and a big argument ensued and David Bradley's just improvising as the character. This is insane. He's a 15 year old kid. And it basically ended with the old woman hitting him with her umbrella. (laughs) So the cameraman kept filming, but unfortunately uh, the film actually ran out partway through. So they weren't able to use it. This is actually from, I wasn't able to find the clip, but this is from a conversation uh, with David Bradley just like two years ago. Okay. And they were talking about it. (laughs) And by the way, crazy. um, This is like the 50, wait, yeah, the 50th anniversary. Yeah, this year, 68? 69. 69, yeah. yeah. It's literally, like, this year's the 50th anniversary, so David maybe there'll Bradley's be a still kicking. special uh, Blu-ray. A lot of people from this movie are still around. Uh, his brother, the guy who plays his brother, oh, Freddie... Really? Freddie something. Something. <laughs> Freddie Fletcher, I think it <laughs> yeah, is. Okay. okay, so here's... Uh, so Brian Glover plays the football coach. We'll yeah. definitely talk about him. <laughs> um, so, much to my surprise... Brian Glover and everyone else besides Colin Welland, who plays Mr. Farthing, the kind, kinder teacher, mm-hmm. not actors. Huh. None of them. That makes sense, though. Because, again, this movie's dialogue is so real. It's very naturalistic. It's it, almost documentary. It's it. Well, I was going to say, it's almost a Robert Altman movie. Like, in yeah. the sense that people talk over each other, and, yep. and yeah, it, it, these are real people talking about real stuff. Yeah, it doesn't feel fabricated at all. You just have to be able to parse it and understand it, but yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the fun part. So, Brian Glover would actually go on to do a lot of stuff later. So, he appeared in things like A Midsummer Night's Dream, uh, Company of Wolves, mm-hmm. the one with Aaron Eckhart, where they horribly treat a a deaf woman i think do you ever seen that company of wolves check it out if you haven't it's i saw brotherhood of the wolf (laughs) the french movie it's pretty much okay uh and alien 3 is another one um so the movie was a word of mouth hit in britain so basically just picked up steam (laughs) did you see that movie about us (laughs) kiss what's that about a young lass giving you a peck on the cheek (laughs) Uh, but it was a word of mouth hit in Britain and a, a flop in the U.S. Yeah, like it, did, it, wow. did, it didn't do well. But the budget was very small, so the equivalent to about two hundred thousand dollars U.S. And I'm not I, there's not a lot of information on how much it made, but it was a hit in Britain, so I imagine it made quite probably a bit more made than its that. money back. Yeah. At least we could say. <laughs> well, let's get into uh, 
Let's get into the movie itself a little bit more. Because, you want to talk about the soccer scene? <laughs> uh, I, I do, but at, but first, I want to talk about uh, the scene with Billy reading the funnies. Yeah, he's reading the comic. So there's a scene where it's, he's delivering, he's supposed to be delivering these papers. He takes a break, he sits down on the hill, and there's like this industry stuff in the background, like these uh, smokestacks. Yes, yes, it's a beautiful shot. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because... He, he's reading the funnies and you think like, oh, okay, but the camera actually does a close-up and he reads it out loud or he reads it in his head yeah. as you're looking at each panel. But yeah, that's like sort of his, uh, his att- attempt at escapism yeah. into kind of a better, kind of a more, well, a more exciting world because I think he's yeah. bored. I think much like a lot of characters in a lot of movies we've talked about, they're bored with their yeah. standing in life. Well, when you're stuck in a... And, and hey, I can attest to this as much as anyone. When you're stuck in a small town growing up and you just don't have anything to do, everything's boring, the adults all suck, everything's so serious. And especially at this time where it looks like your ultimate fate is going to be you're going to end up in the mine. And Billy, multiple times, like, I don't want to go down in the pit. Because and that's where his brother is. That's where his brother uh, is. Jude. Who, by the way, the mines, we only see them once, mm. but the only time we see them, Jude and all the other miners are going into the cart, and then you just see, like, chains go across, like yep. bars, like a prison. Yeah, pretty much. It's like the it's like the most, it's the most on-the-nose thing, yeah. but it's, it works. Like, it's just like, yeah, this is, this is, this is where everyone's headed. Um, but yeah, so I just thought that scene was interesting with the smokestacks, because as he's trying to escape, you hear the stuff in the background. Almost as if, like, no, no, you're stuck here. You mm. know what I mean? Like, the real world is still sounding in the background. Yeah. It's just a neat bit of uh, of um, audio editing. Yes, it's very cool. Yes. So, well, let's, let's talk about... Because you kind of briefly mentioned uh, his fascination with the Kestrel and why he would be fascinated with it. I think... I mean, I think it's... Uh, I don't know what, what your theory... Maybe you can elaborate or give a different take on this. Okay. But I think it's uh, sort of the thing where... Where Billy is stuck yeah and this is a this is a kestrel that he that you know it's just flying around like it's free it's yeah. like it's going wherever it wants to go and he that's envies kind of, that yeah kestrel. yeah it's kind of what he wants to do right i mean yeah. that's kind of what i got from it's that. hope in his life it's the idea that maybe he could get out of there someday the kestrel is like well the kestrel can fly maybe i can fly too right did uh there was a reference by the way in this movie to uh no noel coward who yeah. will come up I know that name. It's one of those like he's random a, British names I know from watching British TV over the years. He's a David Lean collaborator. Oh, okay. He uh, he he collabor- He co-directed a movie with David Lean on this list. Right, because the guy the guy asked for his autobiography or something. Yeah, at, that's at just like oh, I guess Ken Loach is a Noel Coward fa- yeah. fan. Um, <laughs> you think it was weird? This is the second movie. I think this is the second time this has happened. What was the other movie we watched? Oh, Darling. Yeah. This is the second movie we have, we've watched. Where crisps, as they say, or chips, mm. are like a meal. Like, because Darling, they're like, oh, there's crisps and Pepsi upstairs. Oh, <laughs> delightful. And in this film, uh, his mother is like, well, here's some money for crisps and uh, pop and crisps. Make sure you get it. Well, I mean, it's a balanced supper. That's not too far off. I mean, hey, when I went to school, and I, you know, when I was in high school, 20. Almost twenty years ago, not quite twenty years ago. Back in nineteen sixty nine, when Jason was in high school, in the early in the early oddies when I was going to school, uh, yeah, there were a lot of kids. That was their lunch. You know, you get a bottle of pop out of the vending machine and get a, a bag of chips from the canteen and go for that. I mean, that was not me. I needed to have some meat in me. So you had meat chips. That's right, meat chips. I went to the stadium and I bought a cheeseburger and I got a poutine and a pop and a chocolate bar. And how much it cost, Brendan? Cost four dollars. 
So what you're saying is you got smoky bacon chips. Yeah. That has some meat in it. That's right. Uh, back in your day? Back in my day. I, I like the uh, I like the bit. So we get a kind of family dynamic, an idea of this family dynamic. Mm. Billy, his brother Jude, and their mother, who yeah. I don't remember I don't if they know, said named. a name. She I, may have been, but we couldn't understand it. Yeah. I think his mother was named... That was closer. That was closer to a Yorkshire sounding. Thanks. I'm working on it. <laughs> By the end of it, I will become... You'll be there. You'll, you'll be sounding like Patrick Stewart and Sean Bean in one person in no time. Yes. Patrick Stewbean. Yeah, Stewbean. He, he's, he's the new captain of the love boat. Oh! Oh, wow. <laughs> Going way back. Way, way, way back. Yeah, the, the, I love the, speaking of the mom, I just wanted to point out, and I, I I barely could understand what else she was saying, but at one point she says, you're running around like a Scotsman with no arms. Oh, to Jude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, that they, was really funny. They have some some heated arguments. He basically is saying, like, I can't wait till you're dead so I can have the house. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're not getting along at all. He, he makes fun of her, uh, quote unquote, I'm using his words, cripple of a boyfriend yeah. that she apparently brings home every now and then and i don't and then it's chirping him at, at the pub too which and he's ready to get into a fight with him which at the at first i didn't know they were all at the same pub oh yeah i i, I was just i like, thought that was i mean i think that's a british thing like it's just like your neighborhood pub everybody goes there but that's an interesting scene because they're doing a lot of cross-cutting um, between her, between the mother talking about how her kids are kind of hopeless, like mm-hmm. you know Jude's in the mine, Billy's probably heading there, and then there's a line. They're not at the same table, so they're not talking to each other. No, they're across the room from each other. Yeah, so he wouldn't hear her. But there's a line where she says, uh, "I don't even know if Jude ever wanted to be a miner." Immediately cut to Jude, and he's laughing about something else, like uproariously. Yeah. Like, but the movie is telling you, of course he doesn't want to be a miner. Like, yeah, who I don't wants it, to go work in the mines? Yeah, nobody, I don't know if there's anybody that says, I want to mine when I grow up. I want to work as a coal miner. But thankfully, uh, the Dick Innuendo song cut the tension. Ah, oh, yes, that was a great great bit of uh, music there. You might hear that later, perhaps at the end. Oh, maybe. We'll save that. <laughs> uh, Billy assaults his older brother when he's drunk. Yeah, he's just, he's like, he waits, and he, he comes home drunk, and he makes sure he's passed out. And, and then he punches just him in the face. Starts punching him and calling him names and stuff while he's just unconscious. Yeah. But hey, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. <laughs> uh, okay, football scene. All right, we got to talk, about, talk this about this fucking coach. football scene. So every, so most adults are shitty in this movie, and, and this guy is probably the, the shittiest example. Like this, I I'd never saw the movie Kicking and Screaming, but I feel like if Will Ferrell had sat down and seen this guy, he thought, ooh, is there a way we could make this funny and turn this into a movie? Well, uh, <laughs> he has one of the... Brian Glover, by the way, yeah. he's amazing it's in great. this movie. Uh, has terrible. One, I mean, he's terrible. He's great because he's a terrible human being he's playing. Yeah. Oh, no, I just mean he's a it's terrific performance. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But he has one of the best character introductions of all time. Because mm-hmm. he... <laughs> this movie doesn't have a lot of music. Yeah. Um, but when he comes in, when you first see him on that field and they're playing that, like, music and he's marching, there's no one else on the field. He's doing it literally for himself. Yeah. Like, he's running drills for him. Comes into the into the locker room and is just lambasting all these boys. <laughs> they, they play a game of football, which I thought was fantastic <laughs> yeah so what you have to understand is that the coach in addition to being the or the i guess the teacher the phys ed gym teacher whatever they would call yeah. it in britain i don't know what the he's name also is also playing he's 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 the referee for the match and he's <laughs> yep. also the captain of one of the teams yep and they also do that horrible thing that we've all suffered through 
is picking your team one person at a time. Yeah, and it's bad enough when your peers do it, but to have the coach be one of the people that's picking kids. Yeah. And, of course, Billy, our, our Billy, who we have to point out uh, did, doesn't have any kit with him, doesn't have shorts, never has shorts with him. And so they give him a pair of shorts, which are literally almost as big as he is. And he hikes them up to his armpits, and they just barely like can stay on him. Jason, are we going to get arrested for watching this movie? Ah, uh, no, no, it's uh, it's all good. It's all good. I checked. It's just uh, the percentages are fine. Because he is fifteen. He the is actor 15. is fifteen too. Yes, but this is a, this is a European movie, Brendan. We'll get there. <laughs> but, so, okay. so the so the coach. We, we have to talk about the coach first, then we'll get to the nudity. Yeah. Later. So he's obviously <laughs> like some kind of failed professional football yeah player. he wanted to be a so i mean he's the classic example of a guy that wanted to be a soccer player but couldn't so he took up teaching it now and in most movies in most american movies that would lead to some inspiring story where he like helps a bunch of kids become soccer champions or something <laughs> this is not mr holland's opus but this is not mr holland's opus this is uh this is the coach's fucking fiefdom is what this is <laughs> coach's this fiefdom. it's like in his mind in this coach's mind the only reason this soccer class exists is so that he has an opportunity to play soccer <laughs> a rare treat. A rare treat. And so he, so when they're playing, he's like pushing kids out of the way. Oh, yeah. He's like knocking them over. At one point, he, he fucks up a penalty kick. He fucks up a penalty kick. Moved. Well, fucks it up. He doesn't fuck it up. He kicks the ball, and the guy saves it. Yeah. And he's like, okay, oh no, no, reset. We got to set that back up again. And then he kicks it through and scores it. <laughs> he 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 gets mad when he falls, accuses someone of tripping him, which yeah. didn't happen. But then he literally trips some kid, intention most intentional thing yep. ever. And then when the when the kid calls him a fat git, yeah. he kicks him off the he field, sends him off the field. Yeah, exactly. He's a monster. He's a monstrous human being. <laughs> and then that that yeah. continues over into the locker room after the match. So. Billy wants to leave. He just wants to get the fuck out of there. And the coach stops him and is like, did you have a shower? And he's like, I'm, I'm good. I, I, yeah, I had a shower. And he starts walking around. Every kid be like, did you see Billy have a shower? Did you see Billy have a shower? Did you see Billy have a shower? And they all keep kind of like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And then he, so he's like, no, you go in there and you shower and you go do it. So Billy strips down. and Oh, by the way, the coach loses. His team loses. His team loses. Yeah, so he's that, mad at that point, too. Yeah. Um, and this, Billy was his goalie. Billy was his goalie. Which, yeah. again, if you look at the team, Billy's like the smallest kid on the team. He's this tiny, skinny kid. Why is that the guy you want to put in goal? But obviously this coach doesn't think rationally. No. So Billy, so he makes Billy go in the shower. So Billy strips off and go, runs into the shower real quick and just kind of does a quick rinse and then runs back out. And then the coach is like, you didn't shower at all. you got to stay in there. And so he basically forces Billy back in and makes a bunch of kids stand there so that he can't come out. And then... To add insult to injury, goes into like where the water system is and like turns the lever. I assume turning the water super cold. Yeah. So poor Billy is getting blasted by water, and and this is weird showers. These weird '60s British showers that like are like would be like belly button level for yeah, me, like or chest level or something. Like just spraying out like hoses. Like cigarettes are hanging out of the. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and so he's basically cowering in the corner, trying to get away from the cold water, and finally says "fuck it" and like climbs up. He, like, climbs up the wall and gets into a vent and yeah. swings out through and uh, climbs back down. Um, you see a little too much. We see a, we, we see a little bit of his doodle. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's a European movie. It's fine. Yeah. It wasn't like he was fucking the wall. He was just climbing over it, so it's cool. I was I was a little shocked by it, though. Yeah. But like I say, it was. Uh, I, I feel like it's one of those things that in the 19, 1969 Britain, the idea of a naked 
boy in a locker room in a movie because they'd all been through that. Like if you went to yeah. school in Britain, that was pre- it was just like a common experience of sure. <laughs> being forced to shower after gym. We're from Canada. I was never forced to shower after gym, even see, though I probably should have been forced see, here's to shower the thing. after a bu- gym. A bunch of dudes like uh, like a naked dude in a movie doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. The age made it a little harder to digest. Yeah, but I mean, you're right. I understand that too. But from my view, it's like they're not doing anything sexual. They're literally just naked in a locker room. We've all been there. We've all seen stuff we didn't want to see. Old men with their balls that hang three feet below their chest. Chest. Waist? Waist. Yeah, that's where balls are. The waist. <laughs> but that's the uh, that's the only... Sorry. That's the only nudity in the film, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Well... Yes. Yes. But that's the only time we see that character. Yeah. He makes a huge impact just from like what fifteen minutes maybe? Yeah, and I wonder if that's part of the reason this movie was so popular in Britain. Like that I was think... such a hit was that, that British people so could like I guess relate to what Billy's going through and the the experience he has at school and the kind of shitty teachers he has, like um, getting whacked, getting full on like corporal punishment, whacked over the hands with a stick. Well, I want to talk about that. Uh that scene, so there's another pr- point here where they uh, they're in an assembly in the school. Someone coughs. Yeah, and he is taken out of the assembly. A psychotic headmaster can't take somebody coughing. <laughs> well, and this is the headmaster. So yeah, he, t- he takes him out, and uh, I think Billy and like other friends are caught smoking at some point. Yeah, but well, it's they, off they, he, he calls them the smokers' union, and yeah, they it, and they do they hang outside and they smoke. Yeah, but I think most of that smoking stuff is off screen because I don't remember seeing Billy actually. Uh, smoke. There's one. I don't know if Billy actually smokes, but there is one scene where they're all outside after this had all happened, and they're smoking cigarettes. And what was I'll, I'll want to point out one thing I noticed too, and I don't know if this was something back in the day or whatever, but the cigarette. So one kid is smoking a full cigarette, but the other kids are smoking and because at one point the guy pulls out the cigarette pack and opens it up and it looks like they've taken the cigarettes, broken them down into tobacco and then re-rolled them into little like tiny, like they look like one and a half inch pinners. Yeah. And I imagine that would be so you could sell them, uh, you know, sell one for like a, I don't know, a, a, a farthing. I don't know what, what money was worth back then. But uh, yeah, sell them off and make a little cash. Wait, is farthing? Uh, it was. It, it, it's like a, it's a quarter of a penny. But that's interesting that a character's name in this movie is Mister Farthing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a common name. I imagine I mean, there's probably a Mister Pence. Uh, Mike Pence. There you go. Oh God. <laughs> well, we said Trump enough, so we yeah. gotta include Mike. Gotta include Mike. Uh, so I do, I do want to play a clip here. The headmaster. So he brings in the kids, uh, the smokers union. <laughs> these kids that are all smoking. Although one of them is just there to give him a message from another teacher, and he doesn't let this kid talk. And doesn't uh, he? And, and the, is he the one that they pawn the cigarettes off? Of? Yeah, they yeah. put the cigarettes in this poor kid's pocket. Yeah. But this is the headmaster doing uh, lecturing them about today's youth, and I want to see if uh, maybe the director was trying to say something here. <laughs> Why? In the 20s and 30s, I could understand it. They were hard times, but they produced qualities in people that you lot will never have. I can be stopped in the street by someone I taught then, and we'll talk about the old days, and we'll laugh about the thrashings that I gave him. But what do I get from you lot? A honk from a greasy, pimply-faced youth sitting at the wheel of a big second-hand car. I don't know. I just don't know. No guts. No backbone. Nothing to commend you whatsoever. Mere fodder for the mass media. And so, until someone produces a better solution, I'll continue to use this cane. Knowing fully well that you'll be back for it. 
time and time and time again. I think this is the director because it's. I think he's mocking this guy hardcore. Oh yeah, because this is a like the guy literally says, "I don't know what to do about it, but I'm just going to keep beating you until I figure it <laughs> so out." There's a better there's a better solution. I'm just going to keep beating the shit out of you. By the way, he actually hit them with this cane. Oh yeah, so they were paid a little bit more. Just so he could do it for real, and I, I, I wondered though, like this is in the '60s. I mean, uh, w- would these kids have not gotten whacked before? I mean, it's probably old hat to some of them. They were not told it was going to be real. Oh, <laughs> so they because the director was like, "Well, I want genuine reactions." You know what? Do it. Just do whack they them. know? Fuck it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You'll be fine. So we're getting some very dubious <laughs> filmmaking strategies. Yeah, in these uh, fil- filmmaking uh, standards over time have changed substantially. Do you want to hear Billy talking about Kess? Because you mentioned that scene. A yeah, if you want, you should play a little bit uh, of that for the folks. He gets very. Uh, he gets the most animated in at this moment because it's something he actually likes and again aspires to. And, be and, it's, a, like and it's the first time, like in the movie, as far as I could tell, anybody's shown any interest in him. Yeah, and that's Mr. Farthing. Yeah. Uh, which I will uh, play a little clip of that after as well. So here's Billy talking about the kestrel that he uh, stole. We'll also have to mention the fight. Yes. You've got to feed them when they're hungry, see? You can only do it when they're at feeding time, like so. Yeah? You've got these Jesses on, sir, all the time. These what? Jesses, sir. How do you spell that? J-E... All right, come on. I'm going to show it on the board. Jesses is a new word to me. Hands up those who've heard of Jesse's before. Nobody. Go on, line you up then. All right, now tell us what the jizz. Well, the uh, leather straps are attached to bird's feet. And say I've got bird on the end, straps go down the end, then they swivel. Swivel right down on the board. So it seems that everybody in the class is totally into this, except that not everybody is. No. But they do give him mo- the most support. They're genuinely asking him questions about this. Yeah. And he's just like, oh my god, I have an interest that appeals to people. Like, yeah. this is exciting. But... But... Old McDowell. By the way, I want to say something. I know this movie was made before Clockwork Orange, but the leader of the gang in this movie is named McDowell. Oh, really? And wow. in Clockwork Orange last week, Malcolm McDowell played the leader of the Droogs. That's I just right. think that's an interesting connection, even though totally not intended, be- unless uh, Ken Loach had a uh, time machine. <laughs> Which, I mean, there's rumors. He may very well have. But, but yes, yes, so McDowell doesn't care for this. Doesn't care for it. Uh, and they, it, again, sometimes, especially when the kids are talking, it's really hard to figure out what they're talking about. But clearly he has an issue I think he just, like, he's, I don't know, they just argue about whatever, and it's, it's like, a, you know, school kids arguing about shit. Yeah. Uh, but Mr. Farthing uh, breaks it up. Yeah, they, they get into a fight, and then they end up in a pile of coal. Yeah. They just have a big pile of coal. I assume it must be the, the school's coal for the heat. Yeah, it's just out, out on the ground. Uh, it must be where they dumped all the coal from uh, My Left Foot. From My Left Foot, yeah, the coal <laughs> they stole, they left it there. Two move. Two movies that focus on coal, <laughs> but uh, so this is a so so once you know he kind of talks down uh, McDowell the teacher does Mr. Farthing he talks to Billy and this is another scene where you're like oh someone actually is taking an interest in him and listening to him so this is their little conversation here where he tells him a little bit more about Kess. How things are done these days. All right, so usual, I suppose. What about the police? You've been in trouble with them recently? No, sir. Not since I've been without 
McDonald's again. So, you know, they used to go into the city and go into the coffee bars and cinema, but since I've been with them, I've been all right. It's all right now, isn't it? Yes, sir, but whenever there's trouble on the estate, all us please come to our house. Well, I shouldn't worry. Think of it in a couple of weeks, you'll be starting your new job, getting new friends. Looking forward to that, are you? You got a job? No, sir. I've got to say, employment block this after. What sort of job do you want? Not bothered to say anything older than me. Yeah, but you want something you're looking forward to, that you're interested in, don't you? I've not much choice, sir. I'll take what I've got. I thought you wanted to leave school. I'm not bothered. I thought you didn't like school. I don't, but it don't mean to say I like work, does it? Still, I'll get paid for not liking it. That's one thing. <laughs> I suppose it is. I might be able to save up and buy a goshawk then, sir. I've been reading about him. Have you? When did you fly this hawk of yours? Dinner times. Where? Just outside our house, sir. What lane is that? Yeah, it is, sir. Well, come round then. If it's OK. Mm. Go on then, get yourself cleaned up. So the teacher even says, Oh, I'll come by. Yeah, and he does. And he comes out and he watches them uh, train cast and fly around, let her fly around and stuff. Yeah, he actually shows a little bit of support, a little bit of the right, a little bit of light in life. We see the, these little cracks of light through this dark Yorkshire curtain. Yeah. Um, but by the end of the movie, that light has been snuffed out. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a downer. Yeah, well, it is, and I, I don't know if that's the intent of this movie, but it just feels like the whole movie is like just this kid struggling, and he finally gets a little bit of light in his life, and it's crushed out, and then he is back where he started. Yeah. So, um, another. Oh, I wrote down actually something else that he kind of talked about because this made me think. Uh, he's kind of talking about himself when he talks about Kess. Yeah. Because he says, Hawks can't be tamed. They're manned. It's not bothered about anybody. Uh, and then uh, Mr. Farthing says, a lot of people can't understand that. They want their pets to be fussed. Mm -hmm. But Billy is like, say, Billy is saying like, well, no, it's, you know, it's not like a dog or a cat. Like, I'm not going to pet it. And people, people ask if it's, if it's friendly. And he's like, I hate that. It's not friendly. You just admire it. Like, yeah. it's just there to, to leave it alone, let it do its thing. And that's kind of what he wants to do. Yeah. He kind of wants to just be left alone and do his thing. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't want to work in the coal, mi uh, coal mines. He doesn't want to, you know, do the usual shit. He just wants to, he just wants to fly like a bird. That's right. I'm like a bird. I want to fly away. I don't know. Am I? Soul is. soul is. I don't know. I'm a soul is. Soul is. Yeah, it's tragic. I wanted to say <laughs> too. Um, what a depressing town because Billy is basically trained to go through school, not question anything, not express emotions of any kind, no. look the other way at bullies, yeah, uh, and then just be given his be assigned a job for the rest of his life because that's what happens at the end of graduation. They go to a uh, employment counselor. They're like, okay, you're gonna do this. Yeah. Done. That's your life. Well, and, and not even graduate. Like, literally, like, he's giving him information on how to go about getting a job if you want to leave school. If you just want to leave school and get a job. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Because yeah. I think at, like, at eighth grade or whatever the equivalent to English equivalent is, they're just like, oh, you can go. Yeah. And he's, so, and he's at that point at, like, 15, 16. So when he, um... So when he finally buries the falcon at the end, it's almost like I, mean, I don't want to get like super. Man, it's like it's symbolism. He's, he's for, burying the last vestige of his childhood. He, he's burying his ambition. Yeah, like that was his that was his only outlet, and now it's gone. And there's no like you said, there's no spark at no. the end. There's no, there's not even a slight glimmer of hope. 
There's nothing. It just fucking ends. No, in, in in my mind, like his life is like Billy has to work in the coal mine and dies in a bump. Yep. I mean, that's basically what what his life amounts to, unfortunately. On that happy note, yeah. Let's talk about how this movie fared critic wise. All right, let's do it. Uh, there was no trip to the Oscars for this movie, as as we said. The, There's a good the, chance that none of them saw it. Yeah, the, as we said, the dialects were very difficult for American yeah. audiences. Uh, it did actually. I did write down write this down though because it did go to the BAFTA Awards, mm-hmm. the basically the British Oscars. Yeah, and it was nominated for a couple things. Now, keep in mind the British Oscars are not just British films; they just are you know the British Academy of Film and Television. Blah blah blah. Yeah. blah. So it's nominated for best film, loses to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. Nominated for best direction, loses to George George Roy Hill for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It does, however, win for Colin Welland, who plays Mr. Farthing, mm. and most promising newcomer, David Bradley as Billy Casper. Yeah. So, I mean, it does all right. Um, <laughs> what I think is interesting, there's a review from Roger Ebert, who loved the movie, he gave it like a perfect rating or whatever, but he said, he, he brought up the fact that the thick Yorkshire accents had something to do with it doing not doing better in North America, but he also said that when he saw the film, he saw it at a screening in Chicago for the Biological Honor Society. <laughs> so they were interested very much so in the Kestrel yeah. aspect of the movie. <laughs> and he said, judging by the way people were confused or bored or like, he said, it made him wonder if they were more interested in the bird or the film. Because yeah. he's like, the bird is not a big part of this movie. No, no it's really not all that much. Uh, it's a symbol. It's a symbol, sure. And you certainly feel sad when the bird dies, but I think you feel more for Billy yeah. rather than you do the actual bird. I mean, it is. I mean, the movie should be called Billy, really. It's not. It's <laughs> Billy, really. Billy, really. <laughs> well, there's a movie called Billy Liar, so maybe that's a sequel oh. on this list. Uh, yeah, it's not like Old Yeller, where you're like upset for the dog, too. Like, uh, By the way, never watched Old Yeller, never will. Mm-hmm. This movie, basically the characters in this movie, when I was thinking about it, basically these are the fathers of the characters. Like, the kids in this movie are basically the fathers of the characters in a movie like Full Monty. These are the... <laughs> the the guys that worked in the mines had a career and then saw it all go to shit and their kids are the ones that are living with the the outcome of that the yeah. Thatcher era yeah so they have to go start yeah. stripping to make money so you're saying this is a prequel this is a prequel to, to Full, Full Monty. Monty absolutely same tone same tone same exactly genre. the same uh, a little bit of nudity so Ro- Robert Carlyle's in both yes <laughs> he's very young <laughs> his nudity in this one is not okay and uh <laughs> Actually, David Bradley kind of made me... I thought he looked a little bit like Robert Carlyle. And then you found out it was the same person? Yeah, actually it is. No, uh, I just was curious if... I wonder if he's been in anything else. Yeah, not a lot of movies on here. So Kess was kind of his big thing. Yeah. Well, he's in a movie called Redemption in 2013 with Jason Statham. Do, do you mean Jason Jason Statham. Jason Statham. I'm Jason Statham. Now we're just doing Jason Statham. I'm going to come over here and beat your fucking head in. Because I'm Jason Statham. Yeah, so, um, Kess. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, it was an interesting movie. Um, yeah, well, okay, let's talk about let's talk about this then, since we come to the end here. This is a shorter episode than usual, but I mean, yeah. uh, like I said, not a lot of plot. A lot more just about the movie itself, like more of a deep dive than anything else. But I do want to ask you, so this is ranked number seven mm-hmm. on the BFI Top 100. Yeah. That's making it the highest ranked movie we've discussed so far. Absolutely. Um, what do you think about that? Obviously, we haven't watched a lot I, of them. I but... think it's clear that this movie is very important to the British films or to the British film world. That this movie means a lot to a lot of people, and, and especially the people, obviously, the people that would have made this list. Obviously, this movie must hold a very important place. It's kind of it feels in the same way like a movie. Now, I haven't seen this movie, but but it feels like Cast is a movie that is similar to what 
it, it means to Britain what going down the road means to Canada. Like it's just such a quintessentially of that nation film, and it's it's such a massive part of their canon that I expect that that's why it's at number seven. And it's also, I mean, it is a good movie, but I feel like it really speaks to to English people, and mm-hmm. probably even to Scottish people, and maybe even to Irish people, and surely it speaks to Welsh people. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I understand why it is what it is, even if you know it's not. Not a movie that I might necessarily want to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see why it's important. But did you? But I mean, did you enjoy it? Yeah, oh yeah, I did enjoy okay. it. I enjoyed it for what it was, for like the the window it gave me into uh, the past. Okay. In, in a place that I didn't grow up in. It certainly wasn't slow. No, I don't think it was slow. Like the English Patient was slow. Yeah. I don't think this was. This had I me. Mean, this had its moments where you know it kind of was. I don't know. Just because I think. The style of this movie helped it a lot mm. in that it was, like you said, so naturalistic yeah. and so and more like realism and uh, very like almost like New Hollywood, but yeah. in Britain. Yeah. Um, I also think it was really good. I, I, I like it a lot. I don't think it's I don't think it's a super easy movie to watch. No. Um, and obviously it has a very noticeably low budget, which I think you can tell there's a lot of ADR at times. <laughs> But yeah, it's a very interesting movie and, you know, boosted by great natural performances and a very realistic ending, really. Yeah. It, there's not there's not a lot of sap in nope. this. Nope. It's not uh, it's not overly sentimental. This isn't old yeller. No, again. Another <laughs> old yeller reference, but it's not yeah, it's not um yeah, it's just it's I I I liked it. It's, I don't a, think it's, it's gonna, worth a watch. I will say I don't think it's going to fall number 7 for me, no. but it's it's going to be up there. It's a, yeah. it's a great movie. It's cool. Well, Jason. All right, Brennan. We come to that moment. It's time. It's time that to let the gods tell us what our next movie will be. And how will they be doing that? They'll be you. They'll be telling us via two ten-sided dice. You can hear those. They uh, will tell us which movie on the list we will watch. And if for whatever reason we happen to get a repeat, we will roll again. Oh, this is such this is nerve wracking. It's always, it's always so, it's always so anxiety inducing. It's always sunny because we, we could get we could get a four hour epic, <laughs> or we could get whiskey galore. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Those are the only two options. <laughs> oh, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. What do we got? What do we got? We got uh, it would be twenty three. Twenty three. Twenty three on the BFI list. I do have this open and ready to go, actually. So 23 will be... Huh! Okay. It's a comedy. Okay. 1994, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, I've never seen that. I've never seen it either. Julia Roberts, right? Uh, Hugh Grant? You're thinking of Notting Hill. Oh. This is Hugh Grant and Andy Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell from the Groundhog Day. Yes, Yes. and Rowan Atkinson. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So there Does you he have... play a foreigner? <laughs> I think he just plays a British guy. Oh, okay. This is a British film. That's a foreigner to us. One of uh, Hugh Grant's early roles, I believe. Yeah, one of, a huge hit. Huge hit over here. Huge hit. Yeah. So we are going back to the comedy while I'm a little bit thankful. <laughs> well, that's, hey, yeah, we need it after the last couple movies. We need a nice the, relief. And like the full Monty was, uh, hopefully Four Weddings and a Funeral will also be. The Dice Gods have blessed us yes. with Four Weddings and a Funeral. Number 23 on the BFI Top 100. Higher than the full Monty. Yeah. And, and another comedy. I expect it to be even funnier. I, it, it better be or I else better we'll, laugh hard. Or else we're going to shut this podcast down. That's right. <laughs> But for now, Jason, 
Yeah. God save the queen. God save the screen. For screen and country. I'm Jason. And I'm Brendan? No. That doesn't work. We mixed it up. Oh. I'm Jason. And I'm Jason. No. No. Let's try one more time. Okay. I'm Jason. And I'm Brendan. And you have yourselves a week. Kestrel. Down the road there lives a man I'd like you all to know He grew a great big marrow for the local flower show When the story got around they came from far and wide And when the people saw the marrow everybody cried Oh, what a beauty! I've never seen one as big as that before Oh, what a beauty! It must be two feet long or even more such a lovely colour, and nice and round and fat. I never thought a marrow could grow as big as that. Oh, what a beauty! I've never seen one as big as that before. Oh, 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 what a beauty! It's time, let's check our cue, baby. it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah. Ban out, ban out, ban out, ban out. Ban out, ban out, ban out, ban out. Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one last plot, holes are good to a Hey, this is Liz. And this is Heather. And we are Nerdy Bitches Podcast. A show where two geeky ladies podcast their way through pop culture. From movies and TV to our regular book club and everything in between, we bring you our favorite fandoms with a feminine eye. We're talking Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, DC Marvel, comic books, and anime. And don't forget sci-fi, fantasy, action movies, video games, D&D, board games, and so much more. Be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you find awesome podcast you can also find us hanging out on twitter facebook instagram pinterest and at nerdybitches.com talk to you soon hi guys we interrupt your favorite podcast to interrupt you with an ad for your new favorite podcast wait wait isn't this playing on somebody else's show exactly so then how are we i thought we were their new favorite podcast well we're going to become their new favorite podcast after they hear this advertisement for our show what's our show called justine Superiority complex. Yeah. Where can they find us, Patrick? Uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, exactly. You can go to at Soup Complex on Twitter, S-O-U-P Complex, and you can go to Facebook.com slash Soup Complex. But our main page is on Podbean, and you can find us there at www.superioritycomplex.podbean.com. New episodes are out every Thursday. Justine, yes. what do we talk about on the Superiority Complex? Nerdy stuff. Perfect. Don't get all sensual with your voice. Yeah, did you hear that? I heard it. It's a little inappropriate. If you want to hear a little more of that, tune in to the Superiority Complex. One more time, Justine, what do we talk about? Nerdy stuff. Nah, wasn't the same. You tried.